WebmasterRadio.fm has compressed thousands of podcasts and all of our radio shows into the ultimate internet marketer's knowledge base. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. Absolutely free and now available for iPhone and Android users. Listen to our live broadcast at the push of a button or access our complete archive of shows past and present like SEO 101, Affiliate Buds, The Shoe Money Show, The Daily Searchcast, and so much more. Download it from the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store today. Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Larry Weber. Get ready to hear perspectives on technology and integrated communications that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and brands today. Now, please welcome our host, a globally known expert in PR and marketing, with more than three decades of experience and best-selling author, the host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Market Edge. It's Larry Weber, Chairman and CEO of RacePoint Global, an advanced marketing services uh, agency. And I'm excited about today's show. We have Brian Carden, uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Lattice Engines. And I'll give you a little bit more background about Brian. Uh, but we're going to be talking about marketing automation and, and sort of the future of uh, data-driven business applications, and uh, Brian's going to tell us a lot more about what Lattice is doing, which is pretty interesting. They have a growing customer base, including Dell, Adobe, GE, HP, SunTrust, Juniper, EMC, Bank of America, VMware, etc., and um, they are privately held, and they're backed by Sequoia and uh, NEA. Uh, before Lattice, uh, his stellar career... Uh, Brian was uh, the chief marketing officer at Eloqua, another marketing automation company, a SaaS company actually, uh, that was bought by Oracle. And I think you were there close to five years. And then uh, before that, uh, an amazing job for Forrester Research as the chief strategy and marketing officer. And I believe uh, he was, Brian was there for over five years. Uh, So Brian, welcome very much and thanks for joining us on Market Edge. Well, it's great to be here, Larry. Um, you know, you've been such an important character in the marketing landscape for so many years, and we've been good friends for a long time. It's really great to have a chance to talk with you this morning. Thanks. Thanks so much. Hey, Brian, just for the, the audience who is, uh, you know, mostly senior marketing people and, and uh, a lot of t- from technology companies as well, could you give us sort of some details of, of really what Lattice does and and who the partners are, and and what you do for these customers that I mentioned earlier. Sure. So, you know, increasingly we're living in a world powered by algorithms. So if you look at Wall Street, you know, it used to be a bunch of people trading, looking at information, and now, um, you know, the Goldman Sachs and, and the big trading companies have written algorithms where they have bots crawling through information, building models, and not just telling the trader what to trade, but actually doing the trade. And it's pretty amazing. And we're seeing that algorithms are happening everywhere. Of course, Google is the largest interest engine in the world. Amazon uses predictive analytics and algorithms 
what they call collaborative filtering. Um, it's really the heart of their recommendations uh, that are uncanny. They can recommend what Larry Weber will buy uh, next. They know what you bought before. They know where you live. They know your sizes. They know your birthday. They know what people on your street buy. And based on all this information, they can predict what you'll buy next. We're seeing algorithms in Netflix. They tell us what movies we'd like to watch with amazing accuracy. And now the power of predicting is happening in marketing and sales. A lot of marketing and salespeople for many years have been guessing about which prospects they should call first, second, or third. So I call this, Larry, the curse of abundance. You know, if marketing's doing their job right, they're getting, you know, hundreds if not thousands of leads all the time, but they have a limited number of people that can respond to those leads. So how do you determine which of those leads is most likely to close? And so with predictive analytics, you can do that, and that's exactly what Lattice Engine does. We, we help companies uh, use data to predict which of all their opportunities are most likely to close, and so they can call those opportunities first, and they can you know, have a very contextual conversation of, of talking to them about why they need the particular company's product. And we do this for you know, hundreds of companies around the world, uh, the ones you mentioned, and also increasingly for you know, very fast-growing sort of Silicon Valley companies like you know, Ring Central, Workday, Concur, um, you know, just all sorts of companies from very large companies like, like banks and HP and Dell to very small, high-growth companies. Brian, I'm assuming, you know, you know, I was talking to some guys at Amazon a couple of weeks ago when I was out in the valley, and, you know, their engines seem to, <coughs> excuse me, get better over time. In other words, they, they, they know me yeah. deeper, better, and, 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 right. can, and can predict even more. Is that the same thing with, uh, with Lattice Engine? I mean, is it yeah, something it's that's called really machine almost learning. Like It's called machine learning. Yeah. yeah. It gets better and better and smarter with each purchase and each transaction. And, uh, you know, Amazon last year did about $90 billion in revenue, and more than a third of it came from their prediction engines. So people think that Amazon's business is, hey, I go to Amazon.com and I buy stuff. Well, that's a big part of their business, but $35 billion of their business is actually people getting the emails to Larry Weber saying, hey, Larry, try this pair of shoes or this shirt or this tennis racket. And uh, those are based on um, all the interactions they have with you as well as other data. And like you said, Larry, it's getting smarter and more intelligent, just like you know, Wall Street algorithms or you, know, you think about all the other applications of predictive analytics. You know, I think about things like fraud detection. You, know, you have a credit card. And if suddenly, under your credit card, you, know, you bought 19 television sets in Tijuana, Mexico, American Express would know that Larry's never been to Tijuana, and you don't watch that much TV. So the more transactions you do, the more they know about you. It's happening in healthcare. You know, which patients are at risk of developing certain conditions? And the more knowledge the computers have that they can ingest, the smarter and smarter they get. You know, I think about... Um, something like the, uh, the winner of the Jeopardy game a couple of years ago, Watson, IBM's famous player that beat Ken Jennings. And that was all about big data. You know, the machine got smarter and smarter and it learned and it learned. And uh, it just ingests more information every day. So, so that's something that is very specific to predictive analytics. Like you said, with Amazon, it gets better and smarter with each transaction. Not necessarily your transaction, but maybe someone on your street or something else that happened. I recently got a, um, an email recommendation from Amazon, and it was for stuff about snow removal. And I called, I have friends at Amazon too, I called Seattle and I said, 
I guess you guys are tracking the weather. That's one of your inputs. He said, well, Brian, we track the weather, but more likely someone on your street just bought a shovel, some salt, and some boots. So what we found is more predictive is not the weather, but what other people on your street are buying. So it's, it's, it's all the data that's available that's now being consumed by companies like Amazon and Google and Netflix and Lattice for, for marketing. It's funny you say that. Uh, you know, I was also talking with some Google people, and I had never even thought about this thing, but did you know that the, the national health system, uh, the government's health group, actually works with Google because um, to find out where certain diseases are popping up in the United States especially because people go and ask about flu symptoms or search in the morning and you know and it's all around maybe one school district in Northern California and uh, it, it's the, the funniest coincidence you know that uh, that, that well that it's, using you know it's an early detector so it's very interesting so the National Center for Disease Control does look at Amazon because people type in symptoms so they may get, you know, like you said, thousands of people typing in runny nose, and Google knows your location. And so Google's actually sharing this information with government agencies to predict outbreaks of disease and different symptoms. And it happens weeks before hospitals even know about it. So you're exactly right. Um, you know, and, and all that data is hiding in plain sight. People are putting in their symptoms or putting in other things, and Google knows your location, the symptoms, and they have algorithms that can predict how many days till there's an outbreak of a flu or influenza or, more terribly, you know, some other diseases as well. But, um, you know, I'm assuming that this is all cloud-based, right? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, as you know, Larry, the world's moved to the cloud. Um, you know, part of it is that um, for marketers, it's so easy to work in the cloud. When we had enterprise software, and we remember it well, you had to get the CIO involved, and it was like a big, big thing. A lot of people in a room figuring out, you know, how do we bolt this on to our big software that we have, you know, on premise. And now marketers, I think, are, are much less tethered to the IT team because they can independently buy cloud-based solutions. And that's, you know, you said earlier about marketing automation. All the marketing automation systems now are cloud-based, you know, certainly Marketo, Eloqua, and others. And uh, virtually all the CRMs are now. I think the early generation of CRMs 20 years ago, the Siebel's, uh, were mostly um, on-premise, but now everybody's cloud-based, and I think everybody really likes it. Um, Everybody likes it until there's a major, you know, breach, (laughs) of course, in security. (laughs) Well, you know, Um, I think, you know, that's a... Interesting, you know, topic. But you know that it's funny that I I see sort of IT bifurcating a bit, you know, and there's sort of like I would call the sort of security or the internal kind of stuff that we marketers aren't really that interested in, keeping the lights on, energy bubble. I mean, of course we're interested, but not from a marketing point of view. And then there is this more yeah. customer centric kind of uh, uh, of technology and software that is just growing exponentially that is that I would put lattice you know in with the other marketing automation and other software companies like yeah. that is that accurate yeah that's exactly accurate that first category is sort of the infrastructure and I think that's really become a commodity you know keep the lights on you got your servers you got your phones you got your you know the basic stuff which is pretty unexciting and then all the customer centric stuff that's where all the action is right now and that's why you see these crazy slides. You know, I'm sure you've seen the LumaScape or some of those MarketScope slides that have like 900 different marketing solution vendors out there. 
you know, there are all these point solutions, and it's just, it's been, it's an amazingly creative time for marketers because we're all trying to do so much. And now, of course, we have social and mobile and content marketing and just so many new things to be thinking about, retargeting. And uh, there's so many interesting SaaS solutions out there. So I agree. I think that first category, keep the lights on the infrastructure, uh, not a whole lot of action going on there. And it's mostly for cost containment and security. You just want to make sure that things are tight and secure. But it's that second category, the customer-centric applications, where I think it's very, very exciting for marketers. Hey, before we take the break, if you've had a really focus in, because the last time I spoke to you, you were so excited about Lattice. You know, what's really, if you had to boil it down to one or two advantages that the, the, the Lattice you know, uh, software has over any type of competitor or other predictive analytic companies, what would you tell our listeners is really Lattice's advantage? Yeah, the real advantage is uh, we're collecting everything that's discoverable about a prospect. So uh, it's literally a thousand attributes. You know, most marketers have maybe 20 or 30 attributes of a prospect. They have their name or title, company. Um, they probably have things like, um, you know, what pages they visited. Did they download the white paper? Did they fill out a form? But we have things like, um, you know, job postings, uh, grants, um, you know, rounds of funding, litigation, uh, patents, contracts, locations, growth, languages, products. Do they have a shopping cart? Executive changes, uh, you know, Twitter followers, comments, articles in the media, credit ratings, financial history, construction permits. And so it's literally everything that's discoverable. And sometimes, Larry, it's kind of like a needle in a haystack, an attribute that could be highly important is sort of hiding out there, but it's one of thousands of things you can look at. So we ingest all of this data. We have crawlers going through millions of websites um, all the time. We pull in information from companies like LexisNexis, Experian, Dow Jones, and then we build a model for our clients. Um, let me give you just one brief example. You know, Autodesk is one of our clients, and they sell CAD CAM software. So the attribute that really matters for them is did a prospect um, are they looking for, uh, to hire design engineers who have the word CAD CAM in their job description? So all crawlers are going through Indeed and job postings at Monster Career Builder, and we're looking for accounts, companies that are, have just posted for those kinds of jobs that have the word CAD CAM in an engineering job description. And those prospects are 20 times more likely to need Autodesk software. So I think the real key here is you have to be sure you're capturing all the data that's available, build the model to help a customer figure out what attributes are the triggers for someone buying your product or service. We're talking with Brian Carden, Chief Marketing Officer at Lattice Engines, uh, a predictive analytics company, and we will be right back uh, to Market Edge after this short break. Stay tuned. Market Edge will return in just a moment. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, 
us. Let our in-house printing and CD DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach, a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. Jellian Music, your CEO coach, will break down the art of business development from the ground up. CEO Coach, on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Larry Weber. Hi, everybody. It's Larry Weber, uh, back with Market Edge in the second half of our interview with one of the more famous and advanced-thinking chief marketing officers we have in this country and a good friend, Brian Carden, uh, who is the CMO. That's very kind, Larry. Lattice. Thank you. <laughs> who is the CMO at uh, Lattice Industries. Hey, Brian, I, I have to get one plug-in for my fifth book that just came out yesterday, The Digital Marketer, but the reason... I want to bring it up is as I was writing about, you know, how software and marketing automation and and mobile and all these big data and analytics is changing the the whole toolbox for marketers, a number of marketers pushed back on me that, you know, we don't have any expertise in development or using software and we're a little afraid of it. You know, could you give just some wisdom to and, and maybe some thoughts to yeah. this group of marketers that is holding on to the past a little and is a little afraid of jumping into uh, this this world of of cloud based marketing and, and predictive analytics and and uh, you know customer centric everything through automation. Well, two things. One, I can't read to read Digital Marketer. So I, I've read all of your other books. I thoroughly enjoy them. You've got great examples, great frameworks. So I would encourage everybody listening to get a copy of, of Larry's latest book. I can't wait to read it. Um, so, I'll send it to you. Um, there is sort of – thank you, sir. Um, there is sort of this digital divide. There are people who are digital natives, like our kids, Larry. 
Um, they're just so comfortable in a mobile environment, downloading apps, just being very comfortable. Um, there's also a generation of marketers that I call growth hackers. They just go into LinkedIn and they hack something and they'll do ad targeting here and they'll just use the applications. But there is a generation of marketers who grow up in what I would call the arts and crafts department. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it was much more about you know, colors and printing and direct mail and messaging and creativity. All of that still has a role today. All of that has a role. And so what I've learned personally is that the only way to get comfortable with it is to do. You can't read a book about it. You can't go to a class. You have to actually jump in and do it. There's no replacing doing a tweet. There's no replacing commenting on a blog. And so you just have to do it. And uh, you know, I'd say 10 years ago, um, I was you know, what, what a few of my friends would call a, a, a perfect resume CMO. I went to an Ivy League college. I have an MBA from a top school. I was CMO of a lot of great companies. And eight or 10 years ago, Larry, I was completely obsolete. Everything that I knew about marketing was disappearing. I was analog in a digital world, and I had to learn a whole new set of skills. And I could hunker down and try to hold on to the past um, or surround myself with digital natives, people who were comfortable with it, but I'd be a fake. And I don't think that I could outrun the ball of being a digital marketer. So the only way to do it is to do it. And I surrounded myself with people very comfortable with it, and I asked every dumb question in the world. And I became a student again. And those were the best years of my career, where I was just a sponge. I was absorbing everything, and I was learning, and I was doing. And I had all these great teachers who were younger than me, but very comfortable with the technologies. And it was a great time. So there is sort of a jumping off the ledge here. We have to admit that you don't know everything. And sometimes for a, a CMO of a certain stage in their career, they don't want to admit it. But it's very refreshing and uh, you can renew your entire career. So it's never too late to learn all the new things. And things are evolving all the time. So, so those would be some of my words of, of, of encouragement to marketers who are afraid to jump into the world of digital and get, get consumed in it. Great advice in this era of engagement especially. You know, a funny example, the other night uh, my oldest daughter, Hannah, who you, you, you know, uh, graduated from college, and she's been living at home saving some money, but we watched The Voice together. And uh, it, was, it was very interesting as I'm sitting there watching this singing show, and she was not only watching the show, she was on Lulu.com looking at sundresses. She was on Facebook getting opinions from a couple friends on which sundresses to buy, and then she was tweeting about the judge's response to specific singers on the show. And she looked so relaxed and normal and comfortable. And she was also getting a royalty coupon from Lulu's real time <laughs> that she could use. And so wow. this whole example and what you're talking about, how does it extend and from into the future when we're looking at connected predictive analytics connected to loyalty, to digital couponing, to sampling, to just the overall digital behavior of e-commerce. Yeah, yeah I, I think what's happened is uh, two, two great things from your daughter, Hannah. Uh, first is that it's digital first or it's mobile first. So I think a lot of us still design for a PC world. But, you know, I don't know about your websites and your customers, 
but I find that about 70% of our traffic is coming on mobile devices and pads. So it's a different sensibility. People are moving around. You've got to have responsive websites. And then your daughter is a perfect example of a digital native who is consuming marketing information in a completely new way. So my wife might say that, well, she's not engaged with you, but she's engaged with other people who are commenting on the judges. She's using a coupon. She's shopping. She's very engaged. But I think as a marketer, you have to really understand Hannah's behavior. Why is she behaving this way? What kind of messages will get through to her? How do you engage with her effectively? And so this is a great lesson for marketers. It's not push-push, but it's being you know, in their environment and it's being helpful and it's not necessarily selling your products, but find new ways to engage you know, young people who have very different behaviors than, than another generation had. Hey, Lattice recently announced you know, that uh, or you more tripled your annual, annual recurring revenue rate. Yeah. What do you attribute such amazing success? I, I, is it just because it works that well? <laughs> well, it works really well, but I'll tell you what's happened, and, and you really started the conversation by talking about marketing automation. So the world of marketing automation, now marketing automation has sort of become the system of record for most marketers now, B2B marketers at least, but even the world of B2C, they're using you know all sorts of other sort of email providers or marketing automation. But um, it's now reached penetration rates of like 70 to 80%. So most marketing organizations now have marketing automation. It's installed. They got it deployed. They got scoring working, nurturing working. And now they're saying, what's next? What is my next uh, way to have a step improvement in my conversion rates, in my marketing performance, in my ROI? So they're looking for something new. And we're seeing that the same early adopters of marketing automation eight years ago are the people that are now trying Lattice. So it's companies like you know, DocuSign and MindJet and Adobe, a bunch of companies that were very early, this is like 2006, who were doing marketing automation are now the early adapters here. So it, it might be the shiny new thing, but I think it's really got some legs here. And as we talked earlier about you know, how Google and Netflix and Amazon are using it, it's inevitable that those applications on the consumer world are going to come into the B2B world and now we have hundreds of customers that are doing it, and it's still early days here. It's less than 2% penetrated. So I see a wave over the next you know, five to 10 years of more marketing organizations using predictive analytics um, you know, more effectively to layer on top of marketing automation. It's not instead of it. It really is a layer on top of it, using a lot of the data that comes out of marketing automation to predict who's going to buy next. Maybe you could go just a little deeper on um, the marketing automation automation uh, providers right now. I know that you recently uh, joined the Marketo LaunchPoint ecosystem. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and also your view of, since you're intimately, intimately involved, in, uh, your view of Eloqua in the marketplace versus Marketo versus even a HubSpot or any others you'd like to share uh, with our listeners because there's a lot of our listeners that are just dipping their toes into more sophisticated marketing automation. Yeah, so you know, whenever I, I think about marketing automation, I think about that book, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. So there are a lot of marketing clouds out there now. So what's happened with a lot of technology companies is, of course, you know, they've seen that budgets are moving more to the CMO. And companies like Oracle, for example, have been taking a lot of money out of the IT department. It's time to take money from the marketer. So Oracle has built a marketing cloud. They have Eloqua in it. They have you know, other businesses in it as well. 
Salesforce has a marketing cloud, and they bought Exact Target for uh, $2.5 billion. So they have email marketing with Exact Target, and they also bought Pardot. Um, Adobe, uh, which has long been you know, a company that has served marketers with their creative suite. They bought Omniture a while ago, which is, which is um, much more website analytics, and they bought Neolane. So they have a marketing cloud as well. Um, the only independent really marketing automation company, uh, they're, they're, there's one major one, and that's Marketo, and they're doing great. They're growing very, very quickly, publicly traded. They went public about a year ago. Their market cap is around $1.4 billion, and they're humming along really well. And then you have HubSpot you mentioned, which is a Boston-based company. Their revenue is around $84 million, and they're growing very, very quickly, but they're really targeting much, much smaller companies. Uh, with um, not just marketing automation, but all-in-one marketing. So they provide a blogging platform, and you can do some simple keyword buys, AdWords on Google, and so on. So it's sort of all-in-one marketing. And they're targeting kind of the S of SMB. I think they want to go more upstream to bigger companies, but they're finding a lot of success with you know, very small companies, restaurants and uh, barber shops and doctor's offices, that kind of thing, um, people who need to be found. I will give HubSpot a lot of credit. You know, they are really they created this idea of inbound marketing. I think a lot of marketers have been doing it for a while, but I think the founders there, uh, you know, Brian Halligan and Darmesh, have done a really good job of evangelizing this idea of being easy to be found in content marketing. So, you know, I think they're they're a great thought leader company, and uh, they've made a very valuable contribution to marketing. So, if I'm a marketer trying to figure out what kind of marketing automation, you have many different choices. You know, if you're using Salesforce right now as your CRM, which it seems that most companies are, they're trying to bundle it now with their marketing automation. And so that might be a very nice suite to buy. You can buy the Pardot Exact Target marketing automation, and then that will integrate really well from Salesforce into Salesforce.com. That seems like like a nice package. But what I've learned, and I'd love to hear what you say, Larry, is that you know the analogy here I think is the big ad agency groups, the Omnicoms, the Interpublics, the WPPs that you have a lot of experience in, Larry, you know, they, they acquired all these different capabilities, whether it's PR, whether it's, you know, uh, media buying, uh, sales promotion, events, digital marketing, etc. And this whole idea was one-stop shop, that if you're a big marketer, that you would buy everything from one of those companies. But I don't think that's really happened. I think that marketers continue to want best of breed, and they'll cut across different agencies to find the best PR firm, the best you know, uh, corporate branding company, the best media buying service. Um, and that's what's happening here with marketing solutions, that I don't see a, a big rush to buy everything under one marketing cloud, but marketers are buying a series of different kinds of solutions, and they're integrating it themselves. But wh what did you see in that big revolution of the big agencies acquiring all these different capabilities. Did the Cokes and the Nikes buy everything from one agency, from one group worldwide? Did they continue to buy separately? Is that a fair analogy? Yeah, it's a totally fair analogy. I was going to ask you, we don't have time, but the, you know, the future of agencies, which I, I believe uh, is becoming more of a systems integration job uh, and understanding how to actually integrate and work with marketing automation, software, et cetera, but bring the creative and the content creation to life that helps create digital environments that customers are attracted to. And I think yeah. the agencies are in a very tough place, those holding companies right now, because I think they overbought people. Yeah. And 
misread the future of, of, of marketing automation and, and, and software's impact on marketing and customer centricity and data, et cetera. And I think when I was asked about the Publicis Omnicom merger, I said two dinosaurs mating. And I think it's going to have, <laughs> they're going to have a lot of trouble. Um, so I think, you know, uh, the media buying is still a bit of a, like a, a mafia of media buying in London, Paris, and New York. But, you know, eventually yeah. programmatic uh, buying is, is going to take yeah. over, just like predictive analytics is going to take over. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe for majority of agencies. And uh, I do believe marketing strategy is going to stay, stay important, but you're going to see companies like McKinsey uh, get more aggressive about marketing strategy and advising, you know, on marketing automation and predictive analytics and, and, and et cetera. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Uh, I have time for one more question, yeah. Brian. Uh, just, just how are you seeing, you know, that you've been CMO of, you know, three, four different companies, how do you see that role evolving in the next few years? Um, you, you know, uh, it seems like it's going to be more critical, in my opinion. But what's what's your view of this, the, the role of the CMO in the next couple of years? Well, I, I think it's several things. One, I think it's sort of the chief growth officer and it's the chief customer officer. So I see that CMOs that are successful are getting out of the swim lanes. It's not just about corporate branding, the website, and building demand, but it's thoroughly understanding consumer behavior and then infusing all your products with that knowledge. That's one big area. Uh, the second is is really taking care of your customers and this whole idea of affinity marketing and um, and and having your customers you know evangelize about you. You know, too many marketers are very quick to promote their own products, but the best marketing course is to have your customers talk about them. And so you know, I'm seeing that that is a, a huge area. So um, the most successful marketers I see are really the central point for all customer interactions and knowledge, not just where the customer is today and levels of satisfaction, but where the customer is going to inform the product roadmap. So, um, so I agree with you. I think marketing is becoming uh, you know, even more central. And if you had to look across the C-suite, uh, who is the strategic advisor to the CEO, I think uh, it's going to be the CMO because they've got their, their finger on the pulse of where the market is, where it's going, and customers. And sure, the sales guy just sold the deal, but they're moving on to the next deal. You know, they're very transactional. But I think that um, you know, for companies that are growing and a CEO needs a great partner in strategy, I think it's going to be the CMO. Couldn't agree more. Brian Carden, good friend and great chief marketing officer at Lattice Engines. Thanks for spending some time with us on Market Edge. It's always great to uh, talk to you, Brian. I really enjoyed it, Larry. Thanks so much. For Market Edge, this is Larry Weber. Be sure to check out uh, every Tuesday at noon EST when the podcasts are available. And uh, tell your friends. Uh, until uh, next time, thanks very much. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.